Bayang mo nang ibagas ni Manong. <laughs> And who cares if people have dark skin, right? Kaanakan <laughs> iti. With expiration. You find any inspiration in this? Uh, we have done, and you have done your noble part. El Maestro. Welcome to another episode of El Maestro Speaks Podcast. The song you're listening is entitled Namnaman de Gardinero by Margaret P. Locano. Let's listen to it a little bit. First, it's in a Kankanai language. Produced by engineer Paul Masilm. All right, so I just played that song. I uh, just <laughs> just remembered it when I was uh, having this uh, radio program with my uh, one of my friend. 
having a program in Radio RPN. They're having their program in, uh, what they call that one, in Z Radio. That is a local, uh, local radio station right now. And they are also, they can be found in their Facebook page, BMAP or BMAP. Informations, local informations and entertainment. So what um, we are going to do today is a little bit of, uh, we'll be having a history lesson. Which is uh, what we've been doing for the past episode. And uh, we'll be diving deep on the history or it's like a hypothesis or theory on the ways of Igorot Nation. And when I say Igorot Nation, I think I'm the only one using this language, Igorot Nation. As we're going to be talking about the people of the mountains of the Cordillera. Whether they are from Abra, of the Tingan tribe, the, and whatever tribe we have in Abra and other provinces. Um, I just called him in a group an Igorot of, uh, what do you call that? Then? Igorot Nation. And uh, I've been reading through a lot of uh, books regarding the Igorots, especially during the pre-Hispanic time. And one of the writings that I have been attracted to, and uh, I think in most of my podcasts and in most of the conversation I'd be having, especially when we're talking about Igorot, is, um, you know, that is, these writings are the, the references that I'm always having. Alright, so the author of those uh, articles is none other than uh, W.H. Scott or William Henry Scott, right? So that is what we'll be using again today for this episode of this podcast. And uh, like uh, we always do in this podcast, if we don't have guests or we don't have someone to talk to, we do commentaries and histories and in this episode like i said a while back we'll be having the history of the Igorot nation so we'll be talking about um the long time or the old old ways you know of during the pre-hispanic time now when we say pre-hispanic time these are the times when we are not yet conquered or there is no, not even a drop of the influence of Spanish in our country. Now, we have this uh, notion sometimes. Nowadays, we have this uh, thing in us. Um, we're in, uh, we have this so-called regionalism. Where... Sometimes we tend to not like. I think hate is <laughs> hate is a, a heavy word for that one. 
We tend to sometimes not like other people who are not from our workplace. Just let's just uh, think about that for a moment. And uh, you know, come on, think about it. Some uh, most of us, okay, not all, but most of us sometimes tend not to like other people, especially when they're not from our place. Okay. They can, for example, when we igrots will be talking to each other, sometimes we have this, oh, ilokano gaminsa, isung kamanina, kamanisa dinogali na, uh, tagalog gaminda ita, right? So we tend to say, oh, they are ilokanos, and that's this is what they do, they're tagalogs, and this is what they do, uh, and uh, it is not. It is not, uh, you, you know, it is not aligned to what we do. And, uh, of course, people from other regions do that too. Say, for example, Tagalog. Uh, um, Tagalog would um, discriminate. Yeah, this is discrimination in some form, right? They will say, oh, Tagabundo kasing mayan. There are words uttered like that. Even with other, um, you know, culture. Like, uh, we say that they're different. And sometimes, uh, we tend to respect them less. We don't look at them as less human, but then we have this feeling of they don't know what they're doing. We do this, we do things better, things like that, right? Now, if we are going to think about it, like just stop and uh, think of where did this attitude come from? This regionalism thing. Where do you think did this come from? Well, um, I have this theory here. I'm going to pose it here in this episode of this podcast. And I'm going to explain it to you. My view of how did this become. And I'm going to tell you the reason why this attitude was created. So our attitudes sometimes, like our attitude to certain things. A human's attitude or behavior to a certain thing for the matter is created due to experience right and once that was created it is passed through generations through teachings right and through collective behavior if that's the what the community is doing then of course little children will follow soon those little children will grow up Inheriting that behavior to a certain thing, certain culture, certain people, person. And of course, they will pass it through their next generation. So that's how a, an attitude is created. And then, then sooner or later, it will become a part of the culture. I am not a sociologist. What is the term, by the way, for someone who studies culture anthropologist <laughs> all right so like i said before i'm not an expert here 
I'm just talking out of my ass. Just sharing to you my views, right? Alright, now um, Like what I'm saying a while back An attitude is created because of an experience And then it is being passed through Now, where did that attitude of Like uh, Separating herself To another region Another group Came from In terms of culture in the Philippines so I would say that originated during the Spanish conquest or Spanish uh, regime here in our country, right? So most especially in the part of the Igorots wherein they are, to some writings, they are barbaric, they are, what do you call this one? They are looked down because they are not they're like a warlike tribe they do not like peace things like that they're not peace loving people that's the view of uh, people or eagle now how did that originate so we can say that that originated during the time that the Spanish are trying to conquer the Igorot nations and they can never conquer it. Now, there are some historians who will say that um, Spanish conquistadores or the Spanish government never had any interest in conquering the mountains of the Cordillera or the Igorot nations. And uh, according to the articles written by um, William Henry Scott, uh, that is totally not true. There are accounts, a lot of accounts, of Spanish trying to conquer the Cordillera Mountains because they know that the mountains. Or the mountain is abundant of gold. There are a lot of gold in that mountain. And they even call the Igorots the owner of the golds in that mountain, right? So, putting that into perspective, if they want to conquer the mountains then why is it that it took them uh, like hundreds of years before they can conquer small portions of it well because the Igorots really fought for their land and they have their tactics we already discussed that one in the podcast in the past episode now if you want to listen to it you can uh, just uh, browse our catalogs for this Still Maestro Speaks podcast and you will find it there. Now, of course, in the process of trying to conquer our nation, they have this way of separating people. So they came in the Philippines, they already know that there are some established society here, right? 
Now, the technique they used is very, very effective. Let's like what it's some sort of what we're calling here the divide and conquer style. Bring in all those they uh, all those people who they subjugated are placed in a community. I'm not sure what they call it community. I think it's pueblo. If I'm not mistaken, again, not an expert historian, but this pueblo is a community where they place all this. Let's just say there's a community where they placed all those Filipinos, early Filipinos, pre-Hispanic Filipinos who are baptized to Christianity. They place it in the community and of course that community is being ruled or guided by them. Right? Now, of course, if you are in that community, of you have to forget all the ways of life that you have learned and adopt this new or Christian way of life. And then added to that is, of course, you hating your neighbor. Yeah, that's right, your neighbor. So say, for example, if uh, there are two Filipinos, one decided to be baptized into Christianity and the other one did not then of course this person baptized into Christianity is moved to that community the Spanish community for those baptized Filipinos and you are separated to your neighbor as time goes by you adopt the ways of the Spanish or the Christians then you will start hating on your neighbor who now from that time on you will view as a pagan as a person not not um what do you call that not under god's grace not uh, not under god's uh, um, protection things like that that worship the devil and not the lord so starting from that of course, you will be teaching that to your children. Yes, you teach that to your children. Okay. Another um, influences will come to you, will be taught to you, will be passed on. Okay. Adding to that view that you already adapted until such time that when the Spanish person or when the Spanish will ask you to go. Go and uh, conquer your uh, those pagans. Try to s baptize them, or if they cannot be baptized, okay. Try to kill them in the name of the Lord. And of course, you'd be doing that. That's where animosity started. Now you might be asking, do I have like an evidence to support this? Well, I will still again refer to the writings of William Henry Scott. So as to his writing, okay, the, the title of the article is The Struggle, The Huguenot Struggle for Independence. Okay, So this is what happened, right? So separated the um, separated uh, Filipinos were now viewed as pagan. Those who are staying in that community of the pueblos are now the Christianized 
Filipinos adapting the ways of the Spanish. That is why we have the Intramuros in Metro Manila or in Manila. That Intramuros is the it's a walled city where the Christianized Filipinos are residing. Right? And the wall, of course, you know the purpose of the wall. It is against barbaric attack. Now, there are a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, in the readings that I made, there are a lot of uh, Filipinos who did not subjugate or who did not undergo or did not, um, what do you call it, convert themselves into Christianity. Now, what, they, what did they do? Some of them, they stayed in their place. And after such time, 100 years, they were Christianized. And those who were firm of their belief and did not accept okay, the teachings of Christianity moved to the mountains. Again, say for example, people from Manila or people from the lowlands who did not want to be converted as Christian, what did they do? Okay, of course, because there's an animosity already between them and their Christian neighbors. What did they do? They went up to the mountains. So, one of the mountainous areas here in the Philippines is, of course, the Cordilleras. Okay. And others, they uh, moved down. And where is that? Of course, in the islands of Mindanao. Okay. If we are going to trace back the history of religion in the country, the first religion that came to the Philippines is Islam. Right? Okay. Now I have uh, uh, the, the national history books can um, back me up on this one. The first religion that came to the Philippines is Islam. That is why when uh, Muslim uh, or our Muslim brothers will try to uh, convert you of their religion. They will say Nagbabalik Islam or you are returning to the faith because as to history, that's the original faith. Right? Right. So, again, let's put into perspective. Okay. Christianized Filipino moved to the community of the Spanish or the community that created by Spanish. And this Filipinos who did not want to be Christianized moved to the mountains so okay now though these are the writings so there might be a possibility that igorots in the mountains some of them are originally from another place or other places say for example manila say for example El Ilocos or pangasinan those other areas. There's a big, big possibility that that is the case. Now I'm inferring here. I mean, try, trying to. Is it inferring? Is it? Is it? Is that the right word? <laughs> I'm inferring here that that is the possibility that happened during the olden times. Let me have my coffee here first. All right. So the songs that we're playing in the background are Igorot compositions. Some of them adapted by that. When I say adapted, these are 
the sounds, or I mean the tunes or melodies are from mostly from country music and then they are translated into the local languages in the Ugrod nation. Some of them have um, regional melody. I would say the Suyusui Didagum is an original composition by Aladin Bagayan. If you're listening right now, okay, and you want to follow Aladin Bagayan, you can just look at the Aladin page. Right now. Okay, now going back. So, that is one possibility, right? So, if you want to trace the roots of the Igorots, I don't think that Igorots, the people here, are really here from the olden times after the migration. No, maybe some of them are from other places during the time that the Spanish are trying to Christianize the entire country. Okay. And accordingly, the Igorots accept them with arms wide open. Okay? They welcome those people moving to the mountains. And it did there are no traces that shows that these people from the lowlands have a different culture to those peoples from the mountain. There are no evidence of that as to William Henry Scott. Right? So those people from the lowlands who does not want to be converted into Christianity easily moved to the mountain and settled there without any culture shock at all. They know how the people in the mountain live. They know who they worship. So that would mean that these people know each other and maybe they are friends with each other. Right? Okay. That is also according to William uh, as to William Henry Scott's writing, that is also his belief that these Filipinos from the different areas in the Philippines does not have cultural differences at all. They know each other's way of life. The only difference that they have is that one is living in the lowland, the others are living in the mountain. That is the theory that is being um, proposed by Henry Scott. And I tend to move and believe to this theory here, uh, based on the readings, of course, of the accounts. Because as to him, okay, I, I would like to, I was trying to, looking at this article, I would like to read it to you, but I think I would bore you to death if I'm going to read this very long thing here. According to his writing, there are no evidences that shows that the the first generation, of course, from the first generations of the Spanish that came here in the Philippines, there are no evidence or writings that tells us that the people from the Igorot nation and the people from the lowlands are at war. There is no evidence to support that. Right? Okay. So... The, um, what I'm trying to say here is if 
the person from the lowland can go to the mountains or can go to the Egret nation and can ad can adjust easily immediately and the people from the mountain welcome them like they know each other already then that means that they know each other really they understand each other and they have the same language as supported by the writings here there are some languages from the Igorots okay I was looking at that I was trying to look for that language where is that um there are some language from the Igorot language that is similar to the old Tagalog, of course, Tagalog language. The headhunting cultures of the Igorot. It is not just for the Igorot. Headhunting is not just a culture exclusive of, of from or to the Igorots. Right? This headhunting culture is also found in the areas of Sambales, Pangasinan, and Cagayan. Okay? That was an account written by the first missionaries who went to those areas. That means if those people there practice headhunting, and uh, of course, Igorots are known for headhunting then they have no difference at all in culture right so again we can say that they're the same because of the language the way of their life and the fact that when the person from the lowland went up the mountain he was welcomed like a brother okay the word is mangayaw is found as far away from dialects of Mindanao and was recorded by the first generation Spanish conquistadores in Visayas. Okay. That is an evidence that will support that, you know, all these people staying here in the archipelago share the same, the same language and share the same culture. If they share the same language, they share the same culture. Aside from that, um, there is an account. Okay, long time ago, there is an account that um, an Igorot uh, chieftain or an Igorot leader often visit the cousin of the Dato Raha in Manila. I think that if I cannot find it here in my notes here, but the the cousin of Raha Humabon, if I'm not mistaken, is often visited by a, a leader or a chieftain from the Igorot country. Right? And sometimes the that Igorot person, the Igorot chieftain, would spend weeks in the house of the Raha's cousin. So there is this partnership between these people from Igorot nation 
and these people from other places. They know each other. They understand each other. So it would be very interesting to very interesting to see our way of life if the Spanish did not conquer us, right? Because if we are to believe the theory of migration, how people came to the Philippines, that we would be saying that most of them came from the same land, right? The same country. So, you know, there you go. So, uh, these are accounts that can uh, support this theory that Igorots and other people from the different places in the Philippines share the same culture or understand each other. There's not much difference difference with them or between them. Okay. Now let's take a look at this. Um, there are some words here like uh, Chinese words in Tagalog, but this list includes a lot of words which are common all over the mountain province like Atang, Bantay, Kotkot, Busog, Butyog, and Suwitik. Moreover, recent studies of vocabularies from languages and dialects all over the archipelago by Yale linguists indicates that Tagalog and Bontok, for instance, have more basic words in common than either of them does with any language outside Philippines like Borneo. For instance, it is hard to explain this similarity if the Tagalogs came to the Philippines in a separate wave of migration after Bontoks are already settled in the mountains of the Grand Cordillera Central. Okay. Anyway, whatever picture was in pre-Hispanic times, after the Spaniards started conquering the lowland Filipino tribes, those who submitted to the Spaniards naturally became enemies of those who didn't. Okay. So that what's happened. Okay. So what we are trying to pose here is that um, there is not much difference to all the people living in the Philippines during the pre-Hispanic era, right? So, now, where where did the regionalism started to happen then? Like I said a while back, that started when some of the Filipinos were subjugated, okay? And uh, others did not, I mean, declined, I mean, declined the offer of Christianity. <laughs> right? And they declined it in a way that is to the view of the Spanish barbaric. Right? Now, we will be going back again to the topic of how how is it that this the Igorots were unconquered for almost 300 years. Okay? And how did that happen? And most of historians in the Philippines will say that because of the terrain, right? Uh, so, because of the terrain, it's an advantage, maybe. But there are some mountainous areas in the Philippines 
that was easily conquered by the Spaniards, right? So are you saying that that mountain is easily, um, easily conquered because uh, tactics used by the Spaniards is easily applied in the mountains and that tactic cannot be applied in the Cordilleras? I don't think so. But uh, we have, I think, in the Igorot, the, the groups in the Igorot uh, nation, uh, they have what we are calling, um, you know, uh, they have what we're calling the um, dedication <laughs> to their culture. Not that I'm, I'm not saying that others are not dedicated to it, but then um, maybe it's ingrained in the culture that those who try to subjugate them are trying to kill them, trying to trying to resist them, right? And uh, there are a lot of strategies employed. Uh, one of them is moving away or escaping, moving in the midst of the mountain and leaving their villages. I discussed in the, uh, I, I made a video of this before, that if we are going to look at the house of the Igrots now, I mean the the old pictures of the house of the where we believe Igrots are um, where they, we believe the Igrots used during the olden times is that it's a it's an ipahat it's a very small one it's just, it's just like it's enough for the two or three people to stay inside okay it's rushly done but there are some accounts by Spanish themselves that tells us that Igorot houses can um, accommodate 30 families. Just imagine that. Just imagine how big and wide that house is. And it's properly made, carefully made. So, though we do not have like a picture of that house, okay, there are some accounts saying that that is the house of the Igorots. Of course, this account was made by first-generation Spanish missionaries trying to um, you know, subjugate our Igorot forefathers. They have accounts of um, house made of stone, and they have a village, they have a main street, and they have a plaza. That is all written in some accounts made by Spaniards. Now, of course, the the um, Spanish war with the the Igorots have affected the culture of Igorots greatly that if you are going to look at the house of Igorots in the olden days now of course they are small one of the reason might be is that they know that if enemies will come they can just easily burn their small house and move to a different place okay. and again that experience built an attitude that attitude is now ingrained in the culture and it became the culture that was recorded by anthropologists that visited the country after the Spanish subjugation or a Spanish regime in our country. So, it would be nice to look at these days, all those olden days, and say, Oh, so Igorots and uh, 
people from other places share the same culture before the Spanish came. And it would be nice to say that, oh, how, would, how nice would it be if we can bring that back, right? How nice would it be if we can uh, just bury our differences, the, our differences from our culture that was brought about the, by the experiences that we had through history and say that regardless of who you are, regardless of how you view things, regardless of how you do your living, we are Filipino. How nice if we are going. We can say that, right? In these days, in these modern days. Instead of saying that, oh, Ilocano Gamindaita. Instead of saying, Igorot Kasiani, mga barbaric yung mga yan. Instead of saying those, how about we say, oh, during the olden days when the Spanish were not yet here, we share different cultures, we help each other. History or accounts in the history tells us that Igorot will get the gold, bring it to Pangasinan. The Pangasinan person will mold it and then will sell it, sell it to the Chinese. Okay? Igorots will go to places and get asin or salt. And uh, in turn, they will, ex they will exchange products from other people in these different places. And how nice if we can bring that attitude of like partnership within, um, you know, within our country. And we stop looking at other region um, as lower, as, I mean, backward, as people who are not yet developed. Well, we stop doing that one. Okay. All we should remember. Okay. If there are times that we would like to say things like that, that we, because we are human, we commit mistakes, you know. At times, that attitude of regionalism is ingrained in us already. And at times, we would be, tr no, uh, out of frustrations, we'd be saying things against our brothers and sisters from another region. But uh, before we do that, we should always remember that in the olden days, the Igorots and other tribes in the different parts of our country know each other and share different, I mean, the same, same culture and language. So that is it for this episode of this podcast. And of course, if you like this podcast, then you can uh, support us and uh, share it to your friend. Okay. We are only, we are, and we can be found in different podcast um, provider or apps. We are in Google Podcast. We are in YouTube. We are in Spotify. Radio Podcast. Apple Podcast and Google Podcast. You can find us anywhere. Almeister Speaks Podcast. And of course, this podcast is brought to you by... 
Sponsor time! So this podcast is brought to you by Dems Auto Performance. Dems Auto Performance Shop offers automotive servicing and very personal ng kahit anong klase ng sasakyan. Huwag lang aeroplano. Located at Talapang Latrida, Benguet. Of course, they also offer off-road servicing. So mga naglalaro ng off-road, gusto nang pa-convert ang sasakyan sa off-road, you can visit Dems Auto Performance at Talapang Latrida, Benguet. Or you can also visit their Facebook page, Dems Auto Performance. All right. So again, like I said, if you want this podcast, then you can share it to our friends out there. So thank you so much for listening. And this is El Maestro saying, let's remember under the moon, there is one family. And that's humanity. Good luck, God bless, and take care, everyone.